what is marketing? Did you know that there are four principles of marketing strategy? The company more successful are sales and marketing. I like to think outside the box. Marketing is about value. If Nike owned, opened a hotel, I think we would be able to guess pretty accurately what it would be like. If Hyatt came out with sneakers, we'd have no clue. Because Hyatt doesn't have a brand. They have a logo. Hello and welcome to ClientCast, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of marketing and audio in this brave new digital world. My name's Rod Murray, and on today's episode, we're going to delve into one of the most discussed topics in the podcast world, discoverability, i.e. how we go about finding podcasts, or more importantly, how others go about finding ours. Like religion and politics, this topic is a guaranteed argument starter in any gathering of podcast types all of which makes broadcast and digital audio expert Seth Resler's recent article on the subject even more interesting. Seth will join us in just a moment, but first, my co-host in this endeavour, marketing expert Mike Orth. Mike, I know you're going to enjoy this journey because I feel this discoverability issue goes directly to your expertise of marketing. Yeah, it's always about connecting people, right? It's, it's connecting the message to the you know to the audience and making sure it's relevant and, and how they want to hear it. You'll, you'll hear me say that over and over again. But um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm learning so much from uh, yeah. you know, each of our presenters. It's a, a new arena. No it's beautiful. No point making it if nobody gets to hear it, Mike. <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and all that sort of stuff. Let's get to the serious stuff. Seth Resler is a 25-year broadcasting and podcasting veteran who worked both in front of and behind the mic at radio stations across the US. He's a digital strategist at Jacobs Media, helping radio stations integrate websites, social media, email marketing, and everything that goes with this crazy digital space we live in. He's also a podcaster and head of Michigan Podcast Productions. He joins us now. Seth, thanks for taking time. There is so much more to your bio, but I actually wanted to leave some time to have a chat to you today. <laughs> My goodness, if we talk about audio expert, we talk about Seth Resler. Thank you for having a chat today, mate. Oh, thank you for having me on. I was absolutely captivated by your piece on audio discoverability the other day, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes so other people can go and have a read of it. But before we come to that, broadly speaking, you're clearly immersed in the world of audio, both podcasting digital, terrestrial via radio. Where do we stand? There's, uh, I suspect that soon we'll start to see the cyclical news again that the podcasting fad is over and that podcasting is dying. We're sort of at that point in the cycle almost. From your side, what do you see with podcasting? Uh, well, I think we're at the point where there's a lot of money flowing into the space, and it's not entirely clear how all that money is going to come back out. You know, so it does feel like a little bit of a, a gold rush, you know, where people are speculating and just saying, "Oh, this is going to be the next big thing." Um, you know, I mean, I remember that with the internet. It, it, it reminds me. Almost of 2001, you know, where the, the pets.com period, where you had the little yeah. sock puppet that, uh, you know, where everybody was getting in on it because they thought it was the next big thing. And look, that crashed, but that didn't mean that you couldn't make money off the Internet. You know, websites are obviously hugely important uh, for driving commerce, and I think podcasting is going to be too. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of money flowing in without people necessarily knowing exactly what the model is to get it back out the medium itself i think has now established itself it's gone beyond the point of podcasting could there was a time when podcasting could have disappeared but i feel like that time's passed you know i i don't i don't think it ever could have disappeared because really what we're talking about is on-demand audio mm -hmm. uh and you know just like on-demand 
video, uh, you know, is, is become huge. I think on demand audio is going to, too. People want to listen to stuff on their own schedule when it is convenient for them. So just like, you know, there was a time when I sat down, you know, every Tuesday night at eight o'clock to watch <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I don't have to do that anymore. I can just go into Netflix and I can, you know, binge whatever I want to binge. Uh, I'm, become accustomed to that you know in fact i get annoyed when some you know what, what do you mean you're going to space these mandalorian episodes out by a week like who come on just give them all to me right now uh and, and i feel the same way about audio i'm used to consuming things on demand uh so you know i whether it was in the form of podcasting or or something else i think may have been a question but uh, on demand audio no i think that's that's what we're talking about and i think that's here to stay there's a whole generation, Seth, who only understood half of what you said. <laughs> I know. Did I, did I give away my age? <laughs> it's not so much that, but this is important if you're in business, isn't it? Even if you're middle-aged blokes like us, the people you're selling to have grown up in a world where that's the reality. They have mm -hmm. never had to turn the TV on at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night to watch what they want, and they never will. So yeah. it's, a, it's a fun little anecdote for us to share amongst each other, but get over it and get on with it because the people you're selling to live in that world. We uh, used to host a, a conference on the car dashboard and how it was changing and evolving and what that was going to mean for radio broadcasters. And I'll never forget a speaker coming in and talking about his children. And they would get in the car and turn on you know, the radio and they'd be halfway through a song that the kids really liked. And the kids would say – Play it again, play it again, play it from the beginning. And he would say, no, 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 you can't, it's, it's radio. And they were like, what do you mean, play it again? <laughs> you know, uh, because they are used to being able to, yeah. you know, consume their audio on demand. Yeah, that's a fascinating insight. There's a lot in that, isn't there? Packed into a funny little cute story, there's a lot that is packed into that. In a marketing sense, Mike Orloff, where does that put podcasting? You're in the marketing game, and we know that you're, you haven't been in podcasting very long, but I know you're no. fascinated by all of this. It must make you think, wow, what do we do in our space with audio going forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm always always wanting to learn just how to best support the clients and how to, how, how to best support the clients getting their message out and how people interact. You know, we, we, we've gone that full cycle, too, with you know, especially with COVID, we haven't been that face-to-face, -face, you know, type of communication, which is, you know, where I, I enjoy that, that conversation and, and really deep diving into things. And I see this as sort of that, the virtual sense of that, where you can still have that conversation or between people and, and, and understand some real, you know, some interesting thoughts on just opinions or, you know, different ways of doing things. I'm still, you know, still learning of how to best, um, best use it for the client base that I have. It's very different. You know, I think Seth, what you mentioned, it was more around the entertainment value, but, um, I guess there's that educational uh, side of things as well. And, and then just the pure communication, you know, I guess you can start deciphering, or, um, dividing it down into different segments, even, you know, there's just a, a, a big amount of things that we can use this for this type of communication. Yeah huge amount of podcasts were never going to be radio shows. That's the difference between broadcast and narrowcast. Yeah. That's it. You can really go niche where you'd never put it on the radio, but it doesn't mean there's not an audience for it. Which brings us neatly to what I wanted to talk to you about today. As I said, this article you wrote the other day was fascinating. I'd not seen discoverability talked about in that way. I'm right about it, though, aren't I? In podcasting circles, it is like religion and politics, isn't it? You'll start an argument guaranteed if you start talking about discoverability and the discoverability problem in audio. Just give us a thumbnail sketch of what your take was in that, that article that you put out the other day. I thought it was a really sure. Like, like you mentioned, there is a lot of uh, disagreement in the podcasting space about whether there is a discoverability problem. And this question of uh, 
you know, whether it is too hard to find podcasts. And a number of companies have come and gone, uh, entrepreneurial startups that have tried to solve the discovery problem and, and haven't really cracked it. You know, the real question is, uh, do podcast listeners have a discoverability problem or do podcasters have a discoverability problem? Uh, you know, I think the people complaining about discoverability, for the most part, are the podcasters who think that their podcasts, you know, are not finding an audience uh, and they need to do more to find an audience. You know, if you've got a huge podcast, if you're Joe Rogan, you don't think there's a discoverability <laughs> problem, you know? Yeah, all good. Uh, right. And, and so there is that big question, but I think. For the most part, we have been thinking about discoverability incorrectly. Uh, and, and the way I frame this in the article that you referenced uh, is that you, you really need to think about it as two distinct acts. There is the act of discovering content, and there is the act of consuming content. And you can do this with multiple types of content, right? You can do this with video. You can do this with text. You can do this with audio. Uh, and it's sometimes helpful to think about how we used to do it before the internet. So for example, how we used to go discover text is we would go to the bookstore or we would go to the library and we would spend time browsing and finding the book that we wanted to read. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember going into Blockbuster, right? And, and looking through the shelves and you've got the employee picks of their favorite movies and picking out a movie, you know, and, and you're like, oh, killer clowns from outer space. I don't know. That sounds interesting. Let's try that one. Uh, you know, but there was, there was a process and, and, you know, I remember going to the record store or the CD shops and browsing, you know, I would spend hours. I would go to, to Berkeley, California and just walk up and down Telegraph Avenue, which had the most amazing uh, music stores, and spend hours in there. I'd spend a whole weekend just doing that. But really what you see are a couple things. Uh, that the act of discovery is separate from the act of consumption, right? I'm, I'm finding the book to read in the library, but I'm not actually reading the entire book in the library. I'm going to go do that later at a different place under different circumstances. Uh, you know, I'm finding the movie to watch at Blockbuster, but I'm not going to consume the movie at Blockbuster. And what the internet has done has sort of made us think that discovery and consumption uh, are the same act because now they can happen so fast. They're simultaneous. Like I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed. I find a video I want to watch. I click the video. I watch it. Uh, you know, discovery and consumption happen right on top of each other. So we tend to think that those two things are supposed to happen together. Um, there's a key difference between the way people uh, consume video and text and the way that they consume audio. With video and with text, you use your eyes. You have to read, you have to watch. When you consume audio, you don't use your eyes. In fact, most of the time, we're using our eyes to do something else. We are driving while we're listening to music, we are working out, we are cleaning the house, whatever we might be doing. But most of the time when we're consuming audio, we are multitasking. Right? It's very rare, you know, I don't, I don't, sit back in my bed, close my eyes, and listen to an episode of Hardcore History by Dan Carlin, right? Like, that's not, that's not how it happens. Uh, you know, I'm doing something else while I'm consuming that audio. And that's not, you, you know, we, we can't do that with text or video, or at least not very effectively and, and be fully engaged with text and video. Um, even though you don't use your eyes, 
in the consumption of audio. You do use your eyes in the act of discovering audio. And again, go think back to being in that record store, looking through all those albums, picking out, oh, Joshua Tree. You know, I mean, I mean, album covers mattered, right? You know, when you can think of the iconic, you know, the, the Dr. Dre, the Chronic, or Nirvana, never mind, you know, what those albums are, that artwork mattered. Uh, because we were using our eyes, because we were reading the title, we were reading the track listing, and, and now we're reading the podcast description, or we're reading the episode titles, or we're reading the bio of the podcast hosts. Um, and so because we have to use our eyes for audio discovery, but we don't need to use our eyes for audio consumption, we often want to do those two things under two different circumstances. And everybody who has tried to solve the discoverability problem has missed this. They have assumed that the moment they discover the podcast they want to listen to, they're also going to want to consume the podcast they want, they want to listen to. And I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think you might be standing in line in Starbucks, discover a podcast you want to listen to, and not want to listen to it right there. You want to listen to it later when you're in the car. Uh, and, and so really what I said with the article is that there's one of two ways to go. Either you make discovery possible without eyes, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to do. Um, you know, the closest thing that, ha- that has almost accomplished this is the car stereo in the dashboard with six presets mm-hmm. where I don't really need to look at the da- – I mean, I, I kind of sort of need to, you know, glance askew with my eyes enough to – press the presets and see what I'm on. But other than that, I can keep my eyes on the road and I can go through stations and see what I like. But that only works when you've got a limited number of radio stations to go through. When you've got 2 million podcasts out there, uh, there's no way that you can just flip through a scan button and figure out, you know, it would be an impossible exercise to figure out what you wanted. Um, So the thing that I think is going to be the key here ultimately is going to be voice command devices where I can say to Alexa or Siri or, you know, whoever else it might be, Cortana, uh, you know, find me a podcast on blah, 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 Bitcoin, whatever it is. And then, you know, a a podcast on Bitcoin is pulled up. And then if I don't like it, I can say, you know, find me another podcast on Bitcoin. Um, You know, it's not clear whether voices commands are are at that point where that's a good experience i still you know only pull up podcasts where i know exactly what i'm looking for by title uh when i you know pull up podcasts in alexa for example but eventually i think it will get there so i think voice is going to be the key if we want to remove uh the use of eyes in discovery and and make discovery and consumption happen together and when that happens then maybe i can be driving and discover new audio uh, but right now, I can't. Yeah. Right? So that's one scenario. There's a second scenario, which is, let's just admit that these are two different things. That the act of you know, audio discovery is separate from the audio, the act of audio consumption, and that you want to do these things under different circumstances. And let's embrace that fact. 
Uh, and, and this is very much like me going to Berkeley to go record shopping. I loved it. It was great. I wasn't trying to minimize that experience and do it as fast as possible and look for a way to make it possible while I was driving. I wanted to go and spend a day walking in and out of every single record store and, and hunting through this, you know, discount bins and everything else, looking for the things that I wanted. Let's, you know, make that experience. Same with browsing for a book in the library or in the bookstore, right? Those are enjoyable experiences. Let's double down and really uh, embrace the idea of discovery as something that is fun to do. Uh, and, and the closest thing I can think of uh, when I think of this is Audible, the audiobook company, um, where I will actually, you know, I'll know that I have a trip coming up in a week uh, and I'm going to be sitting in the car for six hours. And so I will go look for an audiobook and I will spend an hour, you know, reading through titles, reading reviews, um, kind of browsing, figuring out what I want to listen to. I might put it on my wish list. I might even buy it. I might even download it to my phone, but I'm not going to listen to it until I actually get in the car to listen to that. And, and so I think digitally that is very much a replication of the idea of going to a bookstore. Right. And, and really making that a pleasurable discovery experience. Mike, I'm sure your neurons are firing just like mine, but it, it strikes me, Seth, that the, we've almost got the cart before the horse as podcasters, where we assume if there was, if discoverability was easier, naturally more people would be consuming my content. When the video maker put the video in Blockbuster, just because he was in the library, he didn't assume, or she didn't assume, that automatically people would consume it. It just puts you in the, the picture. Isn't it? The same with the record store. Awful lot of work goes into making sure that that product you've put on the shelf stands out from all of the other products. And I wonder whether that's the space where we might... I was just thinking while you were talking in, the notion of audio, an audio preview. Uh, being uh, when you, you go to one of the sound libraries looking for a theme song for your podcast, you've got the little play button and there's hundreds of them. You can press it for two seconds and press it for two seconds, press it for two seconds. Perhaps the technology's not yet there with that, but we've got the cart before the horse seems to be the main problem as podcasters. We're not thinking about the listener, we're thinking about us. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of think of a million ways you might implement this and ultimately I think it's going to depend on some you know, engineer who, who wants to try an experiment, you know, and that's probably going to be somebody at a place like Spotify or Facebook or Pandora, one of these big companies that's very invested uh, in audio going, hey, let's do this. Um, but yeah, I could, I could see an audio channel where it is just 30 second previews okay. of podcasts. And one of the things I mentioned in the article is the concept of bookmarking, because there is this idea that Great. Let's say a promo comes up and I go, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. You know, I didn't know that whatever celebrity has a podcast and I love that celebrity. I totally want to listen to their podcast. That doesn't mean I want to do it right then and there. So what I need is some way to bookmark it that I can come back to it later. Uh, and that might be a, a like, a favorite, a save to playlist, whatever it might be, but some way that I can then pull it up. Uh, at a later date or a later, later time when I do get into my car or when I you know, do get to the gym so that I can work out. I'm going to pretend like I work out. <laughs> <laughs> You're very buff, Seth. You must listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> That's just from the neck up. <laughs> uh, so... Um, uh, but, but, yeah, so this idea of, you know, basically, you know, if the, discover the act of discovery is separate... There's got to be a way to easily pull up the things that I've discovered later. 
uh, and remind. And I can think of situations where this worked. I mean, the, the first time I ever thought about this was actually back when the bookmarking site Delicious was still a thing. And I don't, I don't know what form it, that site's in now. I don't use it anymore. But it, I, you know, that was a social bookmarking site. I, I thought that there, there was something to this. But there's also bookmarking features that, you know, I don't know how much it gets used. I know Facebook, for example, I can bookmark articles and go back and read them later. And I have bookmarked articles. And I've never gone back and read them later. Um, you know, so it's got to be something that people can easily use. I think there's a real opportunity with the inline player that Facebook and Spotify just introduced. Yeah, uh, and, and this inline player that's, you know, they announced, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, is basically a player that comes up in your social media feed. And social media has actually not been a great way to discover podcasts. Because most people, when they're, you know, I can whip out my phone, like I said, when I'm at Starbucks and I got two minutes and I just want to see what's going on in social media, I'm not going to discover, you know, a, a two hour interview that Mark Marin did on, you know, the WTF podcast and listen to it, you know, right there while I'm waiting in Starbucks. Um, so it hasn't been a great audio discovery tool. But what, you know, one of the things that this new player does is that uh, it's interesting that Facebook chose to partner with Spotify. Mm -hmm. So when you play it, it actually opens up Spotify so that you can continue browsing through your newsfeed. You can continue doing what you're doing. You can continue multitasking. You don't have to stop everything just to listen to this thing that you're listening to. Um, so I think that's sort of halfway there. But really what I need is a button that just says, save this to my yeah. Spotify playlist, uh, and then I can go get it later. And remind and that, me that I've done it next time I log in. Pop up and go, hey, you bookmarked this. Did you want to listen to it? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And and frankly, I, 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 you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a coder. I don't know what it would take to do that, but it doesn't feel like that would be that much of an extra step at this point. Somebody should be working on that if they're not already. Mike, as a marketing person, you know, a bunch of stuff must be going on. For the purposes of the right here and now, until Seth's magical discovery tool <laughs> comes into play, somebody thinking about or in that podcasting space, you as a marketer, what do you advise them on how then to make themselves more discoverable? There's a bunch of stuff in that, I'd imagine, right from your album artwork, which we know how important that is in the podcast world. You just like the the video on the shelf you're one of hundreds in the potential mm. podcast market through to how do you promote yourself and get to the audience you want to get to there's a bunch of stuff going on there isn't there mike yeah no my, my, i was taken back to the um those early record days as well going through or the, or the, through the old library and actually sniffing the book to get a you know get that 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 smell of you know there must be something smart in here because it smells smart you know whatever that book is <laughs> Uh, but how, how important is a title, I guess? You know, how, it, you know, when we look at more, I guess, more traditional now being social, you know, more of the, the social channels, you know, how much is that little two-second or one-second little snippet, you know, be it the, the, the title, you know, or, or the band? You know, if the band name was really lame, you probably knew the band was lame as well, so you needed something really cool. Um, try, I'm, I'm thinking in that space, it's just, you know, how important is that using more traditional mediums now to, to promote the podcast, be it the title or that snippet? Or even in those those uh, when you listen to albums in the re in record stores, you'd um, go in and get that little ten second. You go in there with the with yeah, the headphones on and, and listen to ten seconds. I I I consume a lot of my and discover a lot of my music on YouTube. So I'm I'm here writing, so I need music. I, I can't listen to words when I'm writing because it's just different sides of the brain. But I know I discover 
YouTube, I'll just flick through and I go, oh, they, they look really cool just because of the image and the title of the band. So oh, I'll give them 10 seconds. I get 10, 15 seconds in the song. Now, don't like them. Away they go. Or, oh, wow, okay, there's something there. You know, and uh, that, that just took me, what you were talking about just really took me down that journey of, uh, of how I discovered. So I, that's the same with podcasts. You know, it could be the similar way of just making that image, that title, and then that 20-second little grab, you know, of what this is about, you know, that will get us into, oh, I'll save it to later. I guess it's that whole customer journey going through it. So it's really, yeah. it, it, it's an interesting thought process, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. And I think that there's a lot of analogies that you can draw from sort of looking at, you know, you think of the iconic album covers, the Sgt. Peppers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or Fleetwood Mac rumors, things like that, that just everybody knows as soon as you mentioned, you know, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, I don't know that it's going to be exactly the same thing in podcasts because for starters, the icons that you see are smaller, but I think you want them to be iconic and memorable in the same way. And, you know, it's a question of, of how do you do that? The same thing with the titles. I don't think that the titles of your podcast are necessarily going to be uh, as mysterious as an album title or a book title. But I, I do think you want them to grab people uh, in, in a way that, uh, you know, it, it'll let them know what it's about, um, but it'll also make it enticing and interesting. You know, I know with it YouTube stuff. Sorry, sorry, Rob. With, with YouTube, more, it's okay. um, mostly used by um, how how to things. <laughs> Most people go on YouTube to go. How do I fix a door? How do I you know? How do I do that? How do I do that? Or what's top five things? I know with a lot of story uh, stories that I've written over the years, it's always about oh the, the top five things you need to do. And I don't know if it's if finding a mix of of that with you know what you'll get out of this this podcast and and how important is uh, referrals you know, I know with music it was always yeah you got it you went over to a friend's house and you go oh you got to hear this or you went back to school and you go, I got to hear this album and it went viral in that, in that stage and now now with what we've got with all these platforms you know there's that same I guess that same opportunity is how do we make a podcast viral like you've got to listen to this thing like oh my god what, what are they yeah. talking about Word of mouth is, uh, you know, according to all the research I've seen, the number one way that people discover podcasts. And, you know, as marketers, that's frustrating because I think we have hit a point where, you know, marketing used to be an art. Uh, you know, I, I, I think of uh, the television show Mad Men. Uh, I don't know if this, was that a thing in Australia. Uh, about Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, you know, where they where Don Draper comes in and makes a presentation about the VW Beetle or whatever, and makes it just sound sexy and cool. But there's no numbers. There's no data to it. And now, you know, we've really reached a point where a lot of marketing is a science, right? We're looking at our Google Analytics. We're looking at our email open rates. But it hasn't become a science as much in the same way on the audio side. Uh, Certainly with radio, you know, there's just no tracking pixels that fly from your computer to your car stereo, right? So that hasn't been there. And, and, you know, similarly with, uh, with podcasts, I mean, the metrics are catching up, but it's not it's not quite there yet, um, in large part because uh, Apple uh, is very private about user data, and Apple is such a big player when it comes to the consumption of podcasts. So right now it's still you know, word of mouth, and the question is, well, great, what does that mean? How do I actually get word of mouth out there? And it's easier if you're already a big celebrity. <laughs> It's it's much easier to do and much harder if you're, you know, just starting your first podcast and don't have an existing fan base from some other medium. 
Seth, I wonder what you're talking about there, Strikes, is that that's almost the, the entertainment space where you kind of need to make the splash and have people find you and you're entertaining. But probably more targeted towards that small and medium business market. Is it is it a different thought process for someone who's creating a podcast more as an informational channel for their own particular enterprise than for, say, a band who's looking for sales? Or are the same principles at play? No, I think it's the same principles. And, and what I would say is... Yeah, look, we know that only about a third of people listen to uh, have listened to a podcast episode in the last week. Um, you know, podcast listening is not hard, but it's just a little bit harder than it should be. And One so, step not more than it needs to be, isn't it? Just yeah, and so, and so not everybody does it. And so, you know, what I often tell companies that are thinking about uh, podcasting is that uh, it's great at deepening an existing relationship. If you already have a fan base because you already have foot traffic coming through your establishment, you have an email list, you have a social media following, maybe you have a mobile app that a lot of people have installed in their phones, then a podcast is a great channel for you. But if you just launched your company yesterday and your number one thing is brand awareness and just letting people know that you exist who have no idea, you know, people who have no idea, podcasting is probably not the best tool. Um, where I think it works really well is if you've got the type of business that people come to once in a while. They're, they're passionate about their fans, but they're not in their every week or all the time. So, you know, museums are great for this. Uh, uh, universities can be great for this. A, um, a restaurant, you know, things like that, that where, where there's a lot of passion, people are interested, people are supportive, um, but they aren't there all the time. This allows you to engage with them even when they're not, you know, at your, at your place. But if you don't already have an existing audience in, in some form, I, I think a podcast is a tough play. That's some fantastic advice there. One of the messages we don't want to give on this podcast is that podcasting is for everybody. Right. Because it's not necessarily, is it? And podcasting needs to accept that and be upfront about that. It may not be for you, uh, but it is uh, as a value proposition. There's a difference between price and value, obviously. It's very much a worthwhile thing to test. There's no great expense to do it, unlike... I don't want to turn this into video versus audio. Video is much more expensive to produce good video. Yes. Uh, in that it, video, has, video has a different uh, set of advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantage, like you said, is it's much, uh, much more expensive to produce. Uh, it's much harder to make it look good. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I have you – know, the old cliche is the face for radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I'm much better on a podcast than I am. I've seen me on television. It's not pretty. <laughs> if you're not on TV, you podcast. Is that sort of the same? Or? Yes. <laughs> uh, but but uh, you know, and but the upside is that everybody knows how to watch a video, right? I, I click on something on YouTube. Great, I'm I'm in. That's easy. So there's there's different use cases in different places when you would use one or the other, and there are different. Um, types of businesses, like you said. It's not for everybody, but there are real good use cases where a podcast can be very strong. In terms of experimenting, um, I often encourage businesses to do a pilot season. You know, When I first started my podcast, I thought of it like the Today Show or the Tonight Show. I told myself, I have to do this every week until the day I die, and if I don't, I've failed as a podcaster, um, which is horrible mindset. You know, I, I, I think you go in and you say, we're going to do six, eight, ten episodes. We're going to see how it works. If it's a huge home run smash hit, if it's the next serial, 
will come back for season number two. Uh, if it's a dismal, terrible, horrible, awful failure, we will drop it and we will do something else. And in all likelihood, it's going to be somewhere in between. And this gives us a natural place to pause, to reflect on what we've done, to make some tweaks, and then come back for a season number two. Yeah. There's, uh, <laughs> there's an awful lot to... Uh Awful lot to think about in there, isn't there? Just, uh, I just note the time left on. We're using Riverside FM. I'm just using the free trial. We already used it for one interview, so I've only got limited space left, so we need to wrap it up quick-ish. Are there one or two things you might suggest to somebody who's thinking about, even not just necessarily podcasts, but audio as a tool for their marketing? We always think about podcasting, I guess, and that's the, the kind of buzzword, but it's just audio, isn't it? We think of podcasts as something different, but are there other ways to use audio potentially that we either haven't seen yet or we're just starting to see? And what sort of advice would you give small and medium businesses thinking about going into that space? Yeah, how would I think of I, I think audio is something that people don't pay enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something I have noticed really as we've gone into this pandemic and everybody has had to figure out how to broadcast from their living room or their home. Uh, and they're usually good at getting the video to sound good. And the audio quite often sounds awful. <laughs> you know, they're using that, that mic that is built into their laptop, which picks up all the echo from the room and, and washes out. And it can work if you're a big celebrity, so people are willing to put up with bad audio to hear what you have to say, uh, or there's video with it. But, you know, I've actually been working lately in moving my own personal podcast to be both video and audio. And where we have run into a lot of problems is uh, when people are using a setup like that, we become dependent on whatever our guest has on their end because they aren't in, in the studio where I can control the equipment. And if the audio is not good, it'll work if the video is there. But if you're just listening to it, if it's just an audio experience, like something through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, you know, subpar. You can get away with subpar video and great audio. You can't get away with subpar audio and great video. It doesn't work. Yeah, agreed. And it's it, poor audio will. Uh, good audio won't bring any listeners to your podcast. Poor audio will see them yes. leave. And, and that's sort of, it doesn't it, have to be the best audio in the world, but it has to be intelligible. And no, imagine watching like a Marvel movie, you know, like Endgame, you know, and you could watch it if if it were a little bit blurry or pixelated, but the uh, but the sound was still great. Yeah. But if the picture was crystal clear and the sound was just muddled and washed out, it would be a horrible experience. You would turn it off. And of course, it's affordable to create the good audio. You're both using the <laughs> free ad for the Audio Technica ATR 2100, mm-hmm. the greatest, most versatile, and cost effective microphone in the world. If I'm not mistaken, Seth, did not Joe Rogan use the ATR 2100 for the first few years of his podcast? You know, I don't know if he did, but I did. So that's right there. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, uh, fantastic stuff. Seth. I think you've booked yourself, if not some more guest appearances, you're certainly welcome to come and host the show from now on if you like. My goodness, the knowledge you've got is just frightening. I'd love to get you back to talk about all sorts of other stuff, but it's been fabulous of you to take some time today, mate. We really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. This has been really enjoyable, and it's great to meet you guys. I hope it has. It's been fabulous to meet you too. And, Mike, I can see you there. You, For the first time I've known you, you're quiet, because I can see your brain just whirring yeah. inside <laughs> there with all the stuff. I turned the video off. 
yeah, my my whole journey with with the podcast is how how I can use it and use it for my client, my small smaller clubs and and golf facilities. So you know, that was a lot of a lot of insight you you provided, Seth. That's um, yeah, made me think about it. It's a lot clearer now. So you know, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, yeah fantastic. And, and don't ever give up on the going and looking at the records. Uh, no. Seeing those gems, yeah, you, you pull them back, and there's some some cool gem in there. You go, oh my god, like uh, how lucky am I to find this one? It's, a it's harder and harder to find lost. that, though, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a whole art that's been lost, Seth. The album cover used to be almost an industry, and it's a special music. No longer has the album, and it's lost that big, beautiful LP size artwork that some of those things you want. I think you could argue that content discovery as a whole, you know, is getting lost. There isn't, you know, we're losing the bookstores too. We're losing mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the libraries and the, you know, the video stores as well. So I think, you know, if somebody can create a great yeah. discovery experience, mm-hmm. um, that isn't about making it fast or convenient. It's about making it enjoyable yeah. uh, the way that it used to be. Uh, I mm-hmm. think there's something there. There's the challenge to all our listeners. And once you've come up with it, You'll need to start a podcast. We can help you with that here at Mike. We'll give you till next week. (laughs) (laughs) Great to chat with you, Seth. Really appreciate that. Mike, always great to catch up with you, and I look forward to hearing what some of what's percolating there turns into over the next week or so when we chat. Great of you to take some time today. Client Cast is a production of Client Cast Studios based in Sydney, Australia, but working all over the world. If you're in business or marketing and would like to offer podcasting services or even produce some audio of your own, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at at ClientCast, Facebook and LinkedIn under the same name, or you can email us direct at hello at clientcast.com.au. All of those links are, of course, available in the show notes. Make sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode, and we look forward to your company again in two weeks' time here on ClientCast.